Welcome to the fourth and inches podcast with your hosts, Stuart Love, Sukdeep Puni, and Ryan Edwardson. Greetings and welcome to the book season analysis for the 2020 season. Um, you guys may recognise me as Sukdeep Puni, um, one of the co-hosts of the 4th and Inches podcast. I'm joined today by four fantastic books fans who I consider longtime friends now, will be longtime friends in the future. And um, just want to introduce each and every one of them and, you know, tell us a, a bit about yourself. So Matt, we'll start off with yourself. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's great to be with you guys. I mean, obviously we've been talking for a good, feels like a few years now, doesn't it? Two or three years that we've been in a, in a group kind of consoling each other along the way with the, the pain of defeat and now the joy of the ultimate victory. But um, yeah, so I've been a, a Bucks fan, I think since about 98, uh, purely by chance. I got into the NFL uh, on a family holiday. Uh, my folks went out to play golf. I could never play golf, so I stayed home and put the TV on and American football was on. The Bucks were on playing the Lions, and that was that. Um, so, yeah, my first ever game I watched on TV was uh, Barry Sanders slicing us up. Um, you know, so, but then I you know, had the joy of the 2002 win and then got more and more into it over the years as the NFL came over here. But, um, yeah, it's been quite the journey. Fantastic. Johnny? Yeah, I've been a Bucks fan for probably mid to late 90s. I spent a lot of time over in Florida as a kid. Uh, loved the game. The Bucks were the closest team uh, to the area. They're the ones that were on TV, on the news, on everything around there. So uh, I've been a Bucks fan ever since then. Fantastic. And we've got uh, Murph with us, who you guys will know from the Five Yard Rush uh, podcast. How are you doing, Murph? Yeah, good. Uh, yeah, so I've been a fan for... 21 years of the Buccaneers, I first became aware of the NFL on the old Channel 4 days in the 90s and then moved to Orlando uh, in the year 2000. And uh, as, as Johnny was saying, in Orlando, the, the local team is the Buccaneers. It's about a two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour drive down to Tampa. And um, they're the, the media market team. Although there's three teams in Florida, uh, the Orlando uh, market really just airs Buccaneers games. So, And all my friends I went to school with were, were Buccaneers fans. So... Um, it was pretty easy to, to get into and, and follow the Bucks, And, um, you know, was lucky enough to, to go to the Super Bowl um, in, in February or late January, actually, I should say, 2003, when we won Super Bowl 37, um, was there for that. And then, yeah, came back to the UK in 2005, continued the Bucks fandom. Um, never seen us win in London. <laughs> Been there three times, lost three times to the Patriots, the Bears and the Panthers. So, um, that's something to uh, to get on the bucket list, but yeah, I mean it's it's been a roller coaster last twenty years. Uh, we've we've seen it all, haven't we, lads? We've seen number one pick. We've seen um, you know great successes, a, a long barren playoff drought, and then back to the summit. So it's been awesome. I mean, can I just ask just on that point that Murph just made? He's never seen us win in London. I've never seen us win anywhere. <laughs> you know, I, I went out to. I was out in uh, in Florida. Had you know lucky enough to go out there 2000 and 
14, I think it was, we were at home to the Ravens. We were down 35 nil at half time. I went to two further games in Florida, and each time we scored a measly three points. Nice. Home to the Panthers, at home <laughs> to the Washington football team, as they're now known. Three points each time. I'm 0 6. Wow. That's horrific. <laughs> With a combined points of how many? <laughs> exactly. Well, we, we scored a bunch of garbage time points in the Baltimore game because they benched everyone at half time. So, like, yeah. we're done. Let's chill yeah. out. <laughs> so, the moral of the story is, Matt, we just need to keep you away from Ray yeah. J as long as possible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I should never attend another game. We'll probably go undefeated. <laughs> Fair play. And we've got Craig with us as well. How's it going, Craig? Hello, boys. Thanks for having me on. I'm a bit of a rookie compared to, to all you lot. I've only been sort of watching NFL, been a Bucks fan for about four or five years. Uh, my brother-in-law is a big Chiefs fan, and uh, which, which obviously made this very special uh, for myself. Um, I, was going, I was going to Florida on holiday. It was my sister's um, wedding day. And um, did, I was watching NFL, but didn't know which team to support. And I woke up early to see the fixtures and to see who the Bucks, or no, actually not even the Bucks, who would be playing in Florida in the time that I was out there. And it just seemed to be that the Bucks were playing on a Thursday night against the Patriots. So I went to my first ever NFL game and um, it was unbelievable. I'd never seen anything like it. I got out of my hire car and there was loads of Pats fans everywhere. Being a big soccer fan, I sort of expected it all to kick off, but they invited me over for a drink with my dad and I had a beer talking to some Pats fans and instantly from then I was hooked, saw Brady for the first time and the aura around Brady was just uh, amazing and um, I went to um, the, the Bucks game at, when, um, at the Spurs Stadium uh, with my brother-in-law and we always joked, imagine if the Bucks were ever to play the Chiefs in a Super Bowl, I think Brady, I'm oh, sorry, I think Winston actually threw a pick, the first uh, player of that game, and we both looked at each other and we was like, this is never going to happen in a million years. So to have the season we had and then to play the Chiefs in the Super Bowl um, was just amazing, even though it's been a short time for me, that the story's been perfect. Yeah, it's been a long process since that London game, hasn't it? We never would have imagined you know, looking back after that game, I just remember feeling so dejected as the players left the tunnel. And I remember, like, I was literally near the tunnel, patting Winston on the back, saying, it'll be all right. And part of me was thinking, yeah, right. Um, but no, yeah. that's an interesting story. And I think I remember that uh, game as well, actually, against the Patriots, the Thursday night. Yeah. Um, mm. So, yeah. Maybe for a peak early in that game as well, but you just knew, you could just sense that, he was always going to beat us. And I mean, me watching it for the first time, seeing Brady versus Winston, you could just tell the, the difference in the two. Even when Brady at the start of the game, you know, where he runs over and does the whole come on in front of all the Pats fans. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was my first ever NFL game and it was a massive spectacle. Before I went, I thought, oh, it's going to be a four-hour game. How are they going to fill up four hours? But there was just so much going on with the shit and everyone throwing stuff into the crowd and all the games they play. It was just mm. the best sporting event I'd ever seen. And I was hooked from that day onwards. And I think also that year was um, when we was on Hard Knocks as well. So coming into it, a sort of new fan, getting to watch <laughs> the whole Hard Knocks episodes and uh, seeing it from that perspective was great as well. 
Yeah, it was off the back of the 9-7 season, wasn't it? We just missed yep. the playoffs. I remember that. That was the last time I was optimistic as a, <laughs> as a Bucks fan. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, we could... we'd signed Deshaun Jackson that summer. We were like, oh, yeah, the... we're on hard knocks. It's all going to go well. Uh, 5-11? and 11? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I remember watching hard knocks. We all get sucked in by watching hard knocks, don't we? And think, yeah. it's, it's the hope that kills you. Yeah. <laughs> Hundred percent. I've just seen how how optimistic everybody is at the start of the season inside the organisation, and then it, you feed off it. You're like, right, this is it now. This is us. Never works out. Yeah, no. I remember. I forgot who it was now. That um, one of the coaches was talking about building blocks when they're talking about building the stadium, and that really got to me. I was like, yeah, this is like the new pound the rock, you know, and mm. literally was was nothing. But um, just a brief about myself as well for those, uh, I'm sure most of you probably are aware, but I've been a Bucks fan since um, the London games basically began. So um, I was always interested in the NFL back in the 80s, but I never really had a team. It was the London games that really gave me the incentive to think, yeah, I want to follow a team. And literally all I did was literally draw a team out of the hat and the Bucks appeared. Uh, and I've not looked back since, may have regretted it, quite a number of times to be honest but the first thing I did was buy a Derek Brooks jersey and you know like you Matt I've never seen us win either um I've been to Raymond James once um seen us lose uh, to the Steelers uh, I think that was a Monday night football game uh and literally yeah seen us losing London three times as well so I'm you know I'm in the same boat as you but <laughs> <laughs> you know Thankfully, you know, we've got other guys here who are going to hopefully give us, you know, give us that look. Um, but let's move on to some questions about, obviously, the season. You know, that's what we're here to talk about, the Super Bowl winning season. Can't Still can't believe it. So, Craig, it's been three days now since, you know, the books uh, lifted the Lombardi. Has it sunk in for you yet? Uh, definitely not. Um, I've been, I, I think I've watched the Super Bowl two or three times no lie since it's happened and um i think the main thing that that hasn't sunk in for me was how comfortable the game was i watched it with my brother-in-law and um, you can tell he's there thinking we're gonna win this game comfortably and i can take he can take the mick out of me and it's, it's game over it's done and um that for me i mean watching the game and how the the pressure that we got on my homes Every sort of drive Mahomes had, I'm thinking something's going to happen. He's going to turn it on. He's going to change something. And they always come back from those big leads, don't they? I mean, we see it in some of the games last year, the big uh, games from the Titans and the Bills, I think, and stuff like that. And um, and then just when it finished, just to be sitting there thinking, I can't believe that's happened. Um, no. So the, the simple answer is no, it has definitely not sunk in. Um, I don't really know what else to say about it. To be honest, <laughs> yeah, it's funny though. Like we all we have a WhatsApp group, um, and I think there's about seventeen of us, and we sort of go through the emotions, and we all got different personalities, haven't we? Like we've got mm. the the optimistic ones, we've got the ones who, um, you know, pretty much wear the same jersey, you know, game in game out, and the same sort of superstitious. Um, you got someone like me who is. Um, basically will never be optimistic about it until it physically happens i'll just be like no I, even in other whatsapp groups people were like you've won it now mm. and it was the third quarter and i was like no 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 so <laughs> it's just amazing how 
you know, we all sort of were watching the game and, you know, so many different emotions, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. And I think, I think with that, I think, and what's really key about that is, you know, I'm with Craig. I don't think it's going to sink in until the, the Super Bowl winners merch turns up on the doorstep Ooh. and, and I'm wearing it. And then I think that's all, all, you know, the parade we're recording this on Wednesday. So the parade's going to be today. That might help a little bit. I think it's weird because of the COVID environment. Normally we would have been with friends. We would have collectively been in, I'm sure some of us would have been together. Some of us might not have been. I don't know like about the fact that we just haven't even been able to go out and celebrate it. I don't, I don't know why it's not quite sunk in. I was saying this before we got on that when we won it in 02, even though I don't think we were the best team that season, we we earned our stripes with that Super Bowl because for three, four years, you know, we were in the title game in 99. We got stopped by Philly in 2000, 2001. You know, we we were knocking on the door. We were a good team for a number of years that, and then eventually we, we broke through. So I think when we won it, it wasn't a big shock. It, it wasn't a shock we made a Super Bowl. I mean, yeah, we had to overcome and win in the vet and all of that sort of thing, but it wasn't this wasn't this giant shock the world that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have made the Super Bowl after all these years. This was a shock because none of us expected it. We turned up 14, 15 months ago and we watched Seamus Winston throw five interceptions in London. <laughs> and we've just kind of cheated, haven't we? We've just sort of gone, right, well, we're just going to go out and get the best quarterback of all time and then get his, his, his best buddy Gronk to turn up and then we'll just go and get a, a fourth overall uh, pick running back off of waivers and... <sighs> Yeah, I mean, like, I think we just kind of we've short circuited and just cheated to, yeah. in some ways, to like most people have to go through years of building a team. We built one in in two years, really, yeah. under Arians <laughs> and, and Jason Light. So we've we've not had that slow progression. We had five and eleven, seven and nine, <laughs> Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think that's why it hasn't sunk in because we've not we've not what we've not been on that natural. Yeah progression of you know even even the 49ers last year when they made the Super Bowl they you know the year before they had the the wins with Jimmy D down the stretch and you know you could tell they were turning the corner and they were they were going they were getting there um with the Chiefs you know four straight years of winning seasons winning the division you know where they won the Super Bowl it didn't shock anyone you know the Patriots always there I think that's probably why it hasn't sunk in but maybe over the course of the week it will yeah. There wasn't a singular moment in the Super Bowl. Do you know what I mean? Like, you look you look at past Super Bowls, and the one I always come back to on this is when the Saints beat the Colts. And, you know, there was that pick six. And at that point, it's like, game, that's it. No matter, you know, they only three minutes left anyway. No matter how good Manning was, he was never going to overcome 14 points in three minutes against, against the Saints. But with us, there wasn't that moment. It was just, you know, 21-6 at halftime. And, you know, I think Johnny's already said, just like, you're waiting there. You're waiting, going, he's going to, Mahomes is going to do something. You've got to be ready. You've got to be ready. And then it just never came. And, it, you know, again, because we were really good, the defences are excellent. But there Did wasn't a singular moment where you go, yeah, we've won. It's just like, <laughs> no, there was, oh, yeah. do you think as well? It was That's the... it. It's done. Like, do you know what you I think... mean? It was, it was different to a lot of Super Bowls, but there's that one moment. Do you think as well it was the nerves? You know, because everybody yeah. was nervous about it going in and all the way through the game, knowing what Mahomes did in the playoffs last year. You always felt like there was that chance that he could come back. So we never really got to take it in and enjoy it and enjoy the little moments because it's always yeah. in the back of our head. They're getting the ball next. There's a good chance they could just turn it on and then it's yeah. game back on. That's oh, what my God. 
what's Tyreek done against us in the first game? Yeah. Those 200 yards in one yeah. quarter, you always yeah, think exactly. just one play, 60, <clears throat> 70 yards, and we're in trouble. <laughs> and, the, and this season, we've been bad at losing momentum and not been able to get it back for a, a quarter or so. And that was stuck in my head as well, mm. knowing that we'd not put a full game together up until Sunday. Exactly. Yeah. It's funny how that happened. <clears throat> we were literally talking about that um, on another recording we did about how the books haven't played over four quarters in the whole season and yeah. you know what a time to sort of do that and you also you see the stats and you saw it you, you know in terms of what the Chiefs were doing last year against the Texans in particular you saw the stats about how capable they were um, of a comeback so I don't think we could really rest on our laurels at any point and I've got to give you've got to give the team the credit for that as well you know they literally were zoned in throughout the whole game weren't they there was not oh, yeah a momentary lapse Best of concentration. Every, every player, every player. Yeah. Nobody let the team down when at all. When you're speaking about that we've gone from seven to nine um, at the start <laughs> of the season, I'm obviously new to the WhatsApp group. I've only been in it the last four or five months. Where did you, where was your expectations for this season? When Brady came in, where did you, where did you expect us to do? How did you expect us to do this season? I mean, for me personally, it was nine wins, wild card. Yep. see what happens I, that was kind of where I was at and I I, I was very public with that I because I, the way I looked at it is I thought we would struggle before the bye um, I thought we would lose games before the bye kind of what happened I didn't predict a win against the um, yeah I didn't expect, <clears throat> expect us to beat Green Bay so I kind of had a six and six going into the bye and then looking at those last four games thinking will win three of those because they, they didn't look to be too tough. Um, and that was how I broke the schedule down and, and then thought, okay, we'll get nine wins and then it depends who we get. And it's a lottery. And I thought maybe, you know, we could get out of the wildcard round if we get it right. Didn't, didn't expect the Super Bowl. I think I told everyone like, don't be silly. We're not going to make the Super Bowl. <laughs> like it's not going to happen. These things don't, I, I always precurse this with, with saying um, good things don't happen to Tampa Bay. Um, I think I even said this, I was on a, uh, we did um, a free agency set of podcasts like every day, um, all the new signings. And then Tom Brady, I think even two days or a day before I was on our podcast and I said, don't be silly. Good things don't happen to Tampa Bay. Tom Brady's not coming to the Buccaneers. Like, this, is, this is fantasy. Like, it's not going to happen. This isn't going to happen. They're floating it. <laughs> and then we signed him. I said, well, okay, that's fine. We've signed him. But COVID's going to shut the season down. Yeah. Like it's it's going to be typical Bucks that we're going to get Tom Brady and he's not going to be allowed to play. <laughs> I, I genuinely just didn't expect us to to have a positive result out of it because I think that's the culture of the Bucks over the last twelve years. Yeah. We don't have good things. Whenever we get excited, it goes horribly wrong. Hard knocks, <laughs> massively. Yeah, I mean, Jameis Winston. We thought he was going to be the generational talent, and that didn't work out. Um, we signed Sean Jackson. Well, this guy's going to be absolutely incredible. He wasn't. Um, you know, and it's, it's that we won the off season. How many times did we win the off season? Three. Yeah, we won the off season a lot. <laughs> I mean, like, that's what I mean. I just you just didn't didn't think so. Yeah, I, I, nine wins for me was where I was at. Four playoffs. I thought that's realistic, given the fact it was seven places in the playoffs as well, and how easy that schedule was. I think you know you can't underestimate where the bye was, and those four games after the yeah. bye, because I think if we play a difficult team there. I think if we play a Chiefs after the bye, if we play a Rams after <clears> the bye, well, swap, I do think there could be a different a different outcome. If you swap the last four games for the middle four games, then it is a totally different, uh, you know, a, a totally different ending to the season. 
Yeah. We're going inflated uh, into the playoffs. We may still get there in the yeah. wildcard round, but we're all going to be like, oh, we're on the back of losing X amount of games. <clears throat> so the team that we're going to potentially face in the playoffs as well. Well, look at the Steelers. The Steelers is the perfect example of this. They're going in 11-0. and 0. And you're thinking like 11 and 0, these guys have got it sussed. They're going to be the number one seed, number two seed. They're going to be up there. And then they just, you know, they lose a game and they capitulate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they still get in, but come on, they didn't do anything. We, yeah. we all kind of knew. And, you know, they had the ultimate, I think. So, you know, we, we're in a, a group chat with, with Stuart Love. And, and I was Stuart. saying, <laughs> hey, Stuart, and I, and I said, look, you're the worst 11 and 0 team in history because you haven't played anyone. And I said, and I was saying this to, to a couple of my writers who are Steelers fans that you've got to play someone because you need adversity. You need to have some adversity. You need to have played the difficult games. Tom Brady said it. You know, we had that <laughs> difficult stretch in November, October, November, where we were really bad, and then the bye week comes and that gives you that time to reassess that actually we're not. We shouldn't be feeling ourselves. We were seven and two. People forget that we were seven and two. Mm-hmm. And people were thinking like, oh, well, God, these bucks, they're going to go on and do some dangerous things. And, you know, we all felt ourselves. I think the team felt themselves. I think we as fans started to feel ourselves a little bit. And then you have that reality check. You lose the three games before the bye and you think, okay, we're not as good as we think we are. And I think we needed that. I genuinely believe that the Super Bowl was won in that stretch because that and the bye week. Because that was when you could tell this team came out and were different, yeah. different gravy yeah. full stop. And and the, the Steelers didn't have that. I don't think the Chiefs had it. And I think when the tough gets going and you you have that adversity and you come through it, you become better. And I think you look at every team in the history that's won a Super Bowl. They've had that period of adversity. Look at the Chiefs last year. They were down a lot in the in the Super Bowl. They were down twenty four in the divisional in the in the first yeah divisional round of the playoffs to to Houston. You know they they had their they were shown the door. They were basically at the exit door and they pulled it back. Um, and I think if you don't go through those moments, when it when it all matters in the Super Bowl, you're not ready. And I, and I think that's what happened to the Chiefs this year because they didn't, other than that period against the, the Browns in the playoffs, they didn't really face any adversity this year. No. So when it, when it was in their face, they weren't ready for it. I think they believe they're on hype as well. Everybody was just like yeah. all the time saying how good they are, how nobody's going to beat them. They're going to have to have a massive off day. Uh, one thing that actually gave me hope in that middle stretch where we're losing was the fact that we played poor, you know, for large periods of those games and we lost to two playoff teams by three points. And I was thinking if we ever do get the opportunity to put three or four quarters together, we can beat these guys. Well, look at how yeah. bad Brady was. You yeah. know, you, I think of that Rams game, Brady made some horrific throws. Oh, I mean, we're awful. talking about some of the worst throws he's probably ever made in his career. And you're looking at those throws and you're thinking, hmm, if he doesn't fix this, mm-hmm. we're in trouble. Yeah. And you think, and we, and you're right. We only lost those games by three when oh, Brady was yeah. three or four points. When Brady yeah. was at his worst, yeah. when he was yeah. absolutely like mm-hmm. bottom of the barrel, and we were losing by by minuscule margins. And the defense yeah. were giving up big players as well. Absolutely. I mean, the only game we got whooped this year was was oh, the Saints, nice <laughs> oh which God. I'd forgotten about. We we were talking about it on the UK Bucks podcast with Matt and. I couldn't even remember that game. Like that has completely gone from my yeah. memory. I don't remember a single moment of that game. I don't know how. I, I think maybe it's scar tissue or something, but <laughs> I just don't remember it. I don't remember the game at all. I was like, hey, really cool. I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're right in terms of um, obviously Brady and, you know, the deep ball at the start, he really struggled to sort of connect with any receivers as well, didn't he? And then you saw the stats. He went from being literally bottom of the barrel to 
you know, beating you know, up. But um, Johnny, I know we've we've kind of gone into it now anyway. But what what do you think was the sort of turning point? What sort of turned the season around? Um, I know we've sort of discussed. <clears> but... Tyreek Hill. <laughs> <laughs> that, that and the bye. The bye definitely. I mean, we've historically, even in our worst years, we always seem to have a good week after the bye. Uh, I don't know what it is about us. I mean, you even go back to 2009 where um, Josh Freeman came in after the bye week and did, didn't we beat Green Bay? We'd not won a game to that point, 0-7. Uh, played a London game. Freeman comes in after that. Uh, we win that. And it's, it's just been the same all the way through that we always seem to have, even if we lose, better games and better periods just after the bye week. So I think the coaching, the, the coaches got this year got together figure something out. I think Brady as well needed those two weeks to work with his guys, you know, just not having to focus on what's going on ahead. Uh, you get a chance to work with uh, people a bit more. Something was mentioned as well about how the weather was a bit cooler, so he was able to work with them outside of the uh, practices, which is something they'd not been able to do because of how hot it was beforehand. Yeah, uh, And I just think that bye week, <clears throat> it, it was what we needed. It was a late bye this year and we never looked back after that. Yeah, yeah I agree. I think for me, actually, I think um, the second half against the, the Chiefs game is probably the one for me. I think if we had Winston, we'd go into the locker room at halftime. Everyone would be looking at each other. Season's done, boys. We're not going to make playoffs. Uh, but something I think must have happened in that locker room at halftime, having Brady there. Because second half, we come out against the Chiefs and we got close to him. I mean, I think it was three points in the end. And I think having that bye week after that Chiefs game, maybe made people think, look, lads, we got close to the Chiefs in that second half. Maybe, maybe we can do this. So I think having that game just before it was was so important to give us a bit of belief, I think. Yeah. I think motiva- <sighs> so I'm gonna say, I think motivation as well. You can't underestimate how big of a thing motivation is. On mm. A lot of teams, a lot of players were disrespecting us on the field, off the field, uh, with tweets and like what Hill did with the uh, phone on the sideline. Yeah. And that, yeah. is a big, that is a big motivator to these guys, knowing that you're going to have a chance to play the, these again. And, uh, you know. I, I, think, I think you're right there. I think you hit the nail on the head. I don't think the game mattered, if I'm honest. Um, I don't think it mattered. I think the players did very well to not disgrace themselves. Yeah. I think it, was, it showed bottle, which is something that let's be honest, you can't say about this Buccaneers team over the last 10 years. They've never no. really shown bottle. And they showed bottle in that second half. I don't think it mattered. I, it's the same way that we were in the Super Bowl in the second half. We weren't killing. We weren't going for it. The same way that the Chiefs weren't going for it. We were better, sure. But it's very different when you're up 20 points. Mm-hmm. Very different. You know, you're not, you don't have that same intensity. And that is why teams lose from 20 points. Because it's very difficult to turn that back on when you need to. It's not something you can just switch on. So I, I don't think the game and the result and the way we came back, even though we lost, mattered. But it was the motivation. It was the fact these players disrespected. And you can tell that people like Tom Brady walked into there and thought, we've just been embarrassed on national television. We've been embarrassed. You know, they're taking the, you know, they're taking the mickey out of you. The same with the Saints. You know, when the Saints won at, at, at Ray J., and there's that big picture. I tell you now, that was on the bulletin board for weeks. Oh, God, people, yeah, yeah. people looked at that, yeah. you know, and, <laughs> and that is what it is. It's the motivation of these guys are laughing at you. These guys think you're you're worthless. Mm-hmm. And in previous years, that would have happened. Yeah. And we would have folded. We'd have crumbled. We would have looked like amateurs because we just didn't have the winners to turn that around yeah. and, and fuel, fuel people through to do that. And, you know, 
we had a conversation or we were texting last night. We were talking about um, Gerald McCoy, right? And um, people were saying, well, good riddance to Gerald. And I was like, I love Gerald. I love Gerald. I thought quality player, yeah. good bloke. Um, I Ring of Honor, <clears> sure. <throat> let him do whatever, you know, let him be hailed as a Bucks legend. Have no problem with that. Let him have his retirement as a Buck. I have no issue with that. But was Gerald McCoy a winner? No, he wasn't a winner. He was a great no. bloke, great person to have in your team. Great teammate, great professional, good player. It was very soft for a DC, though. That was, and that was it. And you looked at the yeah. money that was being allocated to him, and Arians looked at him and went, You're not a winner. I can't use you because you're not a winner because you've been here and you've, you've seen what's happened before and you didn't do anything about it. JPP yeah. would come out in the press and he'd call players out. But I think he's been a JPP has been a massive oh, reason for our turnaround, the culture, the culture wise. Mm. He was, he the, was first the first one. one. He was the first one to come in and just literally tell people how it was, tell the locker room how it is, how how this isn't how he should be acting. Yeah. And that was the beginning of what we've now turned into. Yeah, definitely. I think with the winners, obviously Brady's gonna get all of the accolades, but that story, I think it was either Mickens or uh, David after the championship game where he was Mickens, crying. Yeah. And uh, Brady went over to him and swore at him and said, don't you cry, we haven't done anything yet. And just little things like that, I think, all adds together, didn't it? I'm sure a lot of the team would probably do things like that, but um, you need that in the team. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a big part of it. But I just think in general, you're looking at, I go back to this story and I I tell this a lot, 2018, right? We lose 15 to three, or maybe, yeah, it was 2018. We lose 15 to three to Washington. We put up 500 yards of offense. Absolute dominate. Yeah, you were at that game. So we, we absolutely dominate that game. Absolutely dominate that game. We lose 15 to three. And it's Jer- JPP's first year on the team. We traded a third round pick for him, which turns out to be the absolute bargain of the century, by the way. And um, I, I never forget this game ever in my life. I'll never forget this game because you had players in the locker room afterwards, joking around, laughing, playing table tennis. And it was just acceptable. It was just, it was fine. You know, it was a Sunday. We lost. It's not a big deal. And JPP came out and he absolutely rinsed everyone. He rinsed everyone and said, this is not what I signed up for. This is not what I've come here for. I've not come to be embarrassed on a Sunday. These guys are taking, these guys are joking. They they don't get it. And he called everyone out publicly. Didn't do it privately. He did it publicly in front of everyone. And he did it in the media. He did it privately. He did it everywhere. He told everyone. He told the general manager. He told everyone this is not good enough. Mm-hmm. That cost Dirk Cutter his job. That one game cost Dirk Cutter. That was the end of Dirk Cutter. The, the day that happened, that was the end of Dirk Cutter. And rightfully so, because Dirk Cutter, again, nice bloke. Nothing against him. Not a winner. He's not a winner. Mm-hmm. He can't manage the big players in the big moments. He wants everyone to be all nicey-nicey, everyone to get on. He gives too much trust and too much delegation. And you need to have people who are going to hold the dressing room accountable. And in 2018, we had one guy. His name was JPP. That was it. That was the only guy on the team that had that. 2019, we added a few more. You know, we added a few more. You, you You started to get... I mean, Mike Evans started to get that role a little bit. Devin White day one walked into that dressing room was like I'm not coming here to lose mm-hmm. rookie, rookie coming up to people and saying I'm not accepting this he's a rookie, made a captain because he was not prepared to accept to lose, like it wasn't good enough, we drafted some winners but we also started to get a couple in free agency, Ryan Jensen 
started to stand up and be a bit more proud. And then obviously this off season, we got more. And I think that's a big, big turning point in the story. And when the, when the story's written, when Brady retires or leaves Tampa or whatever happens, this coaching staff dismantles these players go, the story will be told will be how this was built in a short period of time and, and who were the people that built it. And it will all be around that leadership piece. And JPP will be at the front and center of yeah, it. Makes oh, sense. Yeah, you know where, where Cutter lost me? Was after the Falcons got their, you know, got their comeback done on them and they lost the Super Bowl. And they tweeted something about how, you know, kind of a, a shot at us. And so our social media team replied with a shot of Jameis Winston, number three, and a shot of Vernon Hargreaves, number 28. And the caption was, we ain't worried about nothing, right? As a little shot of the 28-3 comeback up yours type thing. And Cutter came out in the press and apologised to the Falcons and said, oh, no, that's not what we want to be doing. And I'm just like, "Now nah, I'm done with you now. I'm sorry. Mm. So they took a shot at us. We replied, right? And we yeah. kind of tried to put them in their place. And your head coach comes out and apologises to a division rival. Like, no, 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 no. As a player, you see that, don't you? And... Uh... It's just weak. It's like, no, let, let the social media team go at it. It's all good probably, fun. Probably still to do with his history with them as well. Yeah. Yeah, okay. exactly. He was, he was still a Falcon. Like, to me, that showed he was still a Falcons guy and still like, oh, no, I have affection for the Falcons. Like, no, you, you can't. If you're, if you're a Bucks head coach, you're a Bucks head coach. Screw the world. Yeah. You wouldn't see Arians doing that, would you, at all? No. I mean, look at, look at Arians. And we've not really talked much about Bruce Arians, but his sort of attitude, he would not take any of that. And Murph, I think you hit the nail on the head about sort of leaders. Um, I mean, just watching Hard Knocks and seeing Gerald McCoy helping the rookies yeah. out, carrying their helmets, things like that. It just, it, that rubbed me up the wrong way. <laughs> well, to be honest. Like, come on. I love, yeah, lovely bloke. Like I, I look at Gerald McCoy and I think, oh, I'd love him on my team. I'd love him on my team. He's the sort of person that just when you're having a really tough day, when things aren't going your way, he can just lift the spirits. There is definitely a place on a lot of teams for a person like mm-hmm. Gerald McCoy. But when you're being paid franchise money and you're seen as the franchise player behind the quarterback, that is not your role. That is not your role. You cannot be the franchise player and be Mr. Nice Guy. You're one or the other. And I don't begrudge him the money he earned. I don't begrudge him anything he's ever done in his career. I don't begrudge him as a player. I don't begrudge absolutely anything about Gerald McCoy. I absolutely love him. But I can 100% understand the decision where this franchise, and Bruce Arians in particular, looks at Gerald McCoy and went, you're not a winner. Well, we've also I don't need some, you. We've also got somebody else on the team who obviously will always be looked at in the same mould as McCoy because there were two and three in the draft with her. Yes. Yeah. So, but the... Talent-wise, very similar. But the attitude-wise is just worlds apart. Yeah. I mean, he's a bad man, is uh, Ndamukong Sue. And it shows <laughs> he's a, and he's, he, a lot of people don't like him. and it, He has his moments, but he is a winner. Yeah. He's somebody who always fights for the win. But, the, but let's, let's get this right. To anybody who, who has these feelings towards Ndamukong Sue, model professional in Tampa. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. He's done he's absolutely great. nothing since he's been in Tampa that has questioned any form of integrity, any form of um, anything. You know, he's not made any terrible hits. He's not trod on players. He's not done anything that has caused him to be judged by what he has done previously in his career. You know, I've had, I've had the luxury of interviewing uh, Ndamukong Sue in London. I was at his press conference when we lost that game. And I tell you now, of all the people that stood in front of the podium that day, and there was Winston, there was Arians, the one that was the most pissed off was Ndomokun Sue. Yeah, that man sense. was 
cheesed off that he was standing <laughs> at that stage. I mean, honestly, he looked like someone had died. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm genuinely not overestimating that. You can go back and watch the, the video on Buck's uh, website. He just looks so annoyed that he's mm. there and he's embarrassed and he's been embarrassed in a foreign country. Like you can tell he took that personally. And, you know, he was trying to just get through the interview. He was just trying to get through and he couldn't wait to leave. And it wasn't because he doesn't like media appearances. It's because he just, he was in so much shame. He was like, I don't, I don't like this. I don't like being embarrassed on, on television. I don't be. like being embarrassed. Yeah, as, as it should be, especially when you're talking about world-class athletes. You know, you lose a close game and you put everything on the line and you just get beat by a better team. That's okay. Like, that's okay. It's, it's not what you want. Um, but you 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 live it. You you move on. When you get beat by the Panthers, who you've beaten already earlier in the season at their place, and you know that that we're a better football team. And the backup QB as well. Yeah, the ex- backup QB exactly. Yeah, just yeah. I mean, I think that's a big part of why we are where we are today. Yeah, hundred percent. Now we're gonna we're gonna go back and talk about the Super Bowl again. So, um, Murph, talk us through what the Bucks did to stop Patrick Mahomes. I mean, other teams haven't been able to do it, you know, for the best part of two seasons. What did yeah. the Bucks do right? The Buccaneers had three ingredients that very few teams have in the NFL. And, that, and that's the difference. The first one is they have a great defensive coordinator in Todd Bowles, right? And Todd Bowles cannot get enough credit for this football game. He was phenomenal. His game plan his execution, he knew his players, he knew the scheme, he knew exactly how to attack this game. Um, There aren't many better defensive coordinators in the league. Uh, Wink Martindale of Baltimore, I'd put in that echelon. Wade Phillips, who isn't in the game anymore, whether or not he's still up to the sort of standards, but I I always have a soft spot for Wade Phillips' defences. I think there's a few guys that you could look across the league and say they're pretty good defensive coordinators, but they're they're, they're in the minority for me. plenty of great genius offensive coordinators but I don't think there's many good defensive ones and I think it, it's really starting to show in the league by the amount of points being given up because um, people are saying this is an offensive league it's an offensive league it's an offensive league mm. you've got to have the best offense I'm sorry the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl because the Chiefs didn't score a touchdown with the best offense in the NFL yeah you, you can keep telling me that offense is 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 dominant and it, it it's very important but without a defense, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're not getting that many 40, 45, 37 shootouts every week. You're getting a few, but you're not getting that many. Um, I think that was key. The second part to this is you, you find me uh, a better duo of pass rushing players than JPP and Shaq Barrett in the league. There are some ultimate pass rushes in this league. Aaron Donald, rightfully defensive player of the year again. Got no complaints about that. You know, J.J. Watt, T.J. Watt, there's some really good uh, edge rushers and defensive players in, in this league. But very few teams have two. Mm. Very, few, very few teams have two. And that is very special. When you've got two guys on the edge that can bring the pressure, you can't stop them both. You have to pick your poison. Which one do you want? Do you want JPP or do you want Shaq Barrett? And I think most people took JPP out of the game, especially in this Chiefs game. You look at how many times JPP was doubled in this game, and that is why Shaq was able to get through and get home as often as he did, because they had to take JPP. Early in the season, everyone took Shaq Barrett out of games. That's why Shaq Barrett, you look at his sack numbers, 
they go, oh, he's gone from 19 and a half sacks to, to nine or whatever he ended up on this season. That's because everyone doubled. That's because everyone doubled Shaq Barrett. That, the reason that JPP is in the Pro Bowl this year is because Shaq Barrett took all the, all the pressure and he took all the coverage. <laughs> and that's no disrespect to JPP, but it was only ever going to be one of those guys. You're never going to get both in the because they both statistically can't have massive games. Um, and when you've got two edge rushers like that, two top five edge rushers in the league, it just gives you that massive ability to go through and do many things differently, knowing you're going to get pressure on that quarterback. And the third thing is, there is very few run defenses like the Buccaneers in the league. They've led the league in rush in past in rush defense the last two years. So when you take away so much of what you can do to alleviate pressure, you know, if your quarterback's getting pressure, 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 you have to run the ball. You have to get screens in. When you've got Vea and Sue and Devon White, you just can't really run the football. You might get a 20-yard run once a game. And you might get a decent few carries, but you can't run this football. And when you can't run the football and you can't move the chains, you have to put it in the air. And what the Buccaneers did, they got up early, you know, uh, two touchdowns and three touchdowns. And then all of a sudden, it's like, well, we have to throw the football. We, can, we can't run it anymore. And then what you've done is you've just basically slashed the playbook by 20%, 25% for the Chiefs. In other teams, it's probably 40%. So then all of a sudden it becomes so much easier because you're not having to worry. You don't have to respect the run. You don't have to respect it because they're not going to run the ball. So all of a sudden you your defense becomes so much simpler because you know you can bring the pressure. What Todd Bowles did that's different to what he does every week is he didn't rush as many. So mm. because he realized, guys, they've got probably the fastest wide receiver in the NFL in Tariq Hill. We need to make sure that he is contained. He can have a catch of 10 yards. That's fine. Travis Kelsey, he can have his 10, 15-yard catches. That's fine. We're not going to give the long ball up. We're not going to give a 60-yard touchdown away. So they, they, brought in extra, they brought in extra DBs. They took Hill out of the game uh, for the most part. And then what they did is rush three, rush four. And by doing that, you put the pressure on Mahomes and you let him have a dump pass here and there. You know, Kelsey got 130 yards. Would you say that he was dominant in the game? Absolutely not. He got a lot of garbage yards and a lot of yards that didn't matter on a lot of score on a lot of non-scoring drives. That's the difference. Is we let them have some plays, but we had let them have plays that just they didn't hurt us. Hey, all right, you want to move the change? Great. All we have to do is stop you from scoring. You can have the ball for five minutes and not score. That benefits us. So you just stop them from scoring. You don't worry about, oh, you're giving away 15 yards on their own 20 to their own 35. Yes, so what? doesn't matter. Ooh. They're not scoring from there. We gave up the yards in, in areas that just didn't hurt the football team. <laughs> Continue to pressure them. Chat Parrott was immense. Devin White was immense. You know, and we just strangled the game. And what we continued to see in the second half was we just kept going. There was no let up. This team did not let up. It was like... I, you know, it was just a constant stranglehold. And, you know, the excuses will be about the offensive line for the Chiefs and it will be about, um, you know, Mahomes being injured. Listen, anyone who wants to talk about the offensive line, I get it. It's very, vitally important. We as Bucks fans have had crap offensive lines for years. It got no issue with the fact they had a beat up offensive line. But Aaron Rodgers took exactly the same punishment. Yeah two weeks previous, especially in that first half. What was different between the Super Bowl and that NFC title game is that 
the coaching staff for the for the Packers made adjustments. They changed their playbook, and what they started to do was they started to get control back. They made in-game adjustments that meant that they we could not get home as successfully as we could. They, we still had our plays, but they made the adjustments. Where was the Chiefs' adjustments in this game? Where was their plan B? You know, the Packers at halftime, and I have to give the Packers a lot of credit for this. They came out at halftime. They were the better team in that second half. I don't think anyone would dispute that because they made adjustments. They adjusted how they were going to block. They adjusted how they were going to deal with the edge rushers, and they knew the plays that could hurt the Buccaneers. They stopped going for really silly, big, long plays, and they went for big chunk yardage, 15, 20-yard plays, 15, 20-yard plays, but they kept doing it consistently over the field. They didn't need to run the football. They came up with, they looked at our coverages and they found the holes. And then they got the defense to ratchet up the pressure, get the turnovers, do short field. And all of a sudden, we don't have to go 80 yards. We only have to go 40, 50 yards to score. And that that's a big thing. And then that's where momentum and everything kicks in. The Chiefs had no plan B because their defense wasn't good enough. Their linebackers aren't good enough to mm. cause any pressure. So they can't get any pressure on Brady. They can't get any pressure on the Bucks. The Bucks could do what they wanted to do with the football effectively and then you just end up this cacophony of it's all on Mahomes and if the Chiefs <laughs> want he's running around you know he ran for 464 yards uh, you know scrambling trying to get away from tackles and if you're going to try and win football games with Patrick Mahomes you cannot win it with just Patrick Mahomes I, I don't care if he, he might be one of the three best players ever to play this game when it's all said and done. But you cannot, it's a 53 man league for a reason, <laughs> yeah. like 53 man team for a reason. You cannot win it as one guy. Even, even Brady with seven Super Bowls, he's never done it with just by himself. You know, you have other guys and they have playmakers, but they didn't have enough. They didn't have enough playmakers on defense. They didn't have enough playmakers on offense. They need, they need to strengthen. They and made a couple of mistakes as well, didn't they? They had a couple of drops. One of the Mahomes passes that was yeah, dropped hit, from the goal line. Yeah, hit, hit a couple good. as well. Didn't it? Um, I think they had, they had three, I think, dropped in the end zone, didn't they? Two, yeah, two dropped in the end zone and then the, the pick as well. Um, but, I mean, no, one no. of them was uncatchable for me. One of them hits Tyreek in the grill. He should catch that. But it's... And people say, well, that was a turning point. And yeah, maybe, maybe it was. But, you know, I think any of those things... You look at the Buccaneers, we were talking about MVP. It was given to Tom Brady almost by default. Mm. It wasn't given to Tom Brady because he was the best player in the game. It was because he probably managed the game better than anybody else. But realistically, you could have given that to 10 players. Mm. I don't yeah. think anyone would have argued. It was That Super Bowl is the perfect collaboration between why a team is better than individual superstars. Yeah, 100%. yeah that's good. What do you think it does for... I know it's obviously... We're here to talk about the books, but... Do you think this impacts Eric Bieniemy um, a bit in terms of um, getting a head coaching role? I mean, he's already been overlooked so many times. Um, after this display, do you think that sort of creates a bit of doubt in sort of GM's minds when they're looking for a new head coach? I don't think he gets a job. No. I don't think he gets a job because, and it's not because of this game. I don't think he gets a job because why hasn't he been hired? Yeah. Well, he, he's interviewed for what, 10 teams in the league now? Somewhere between eight and 10. Right. He's not had a job, not been offered a job. <clears throat> so what's a bad interviewer, isn't it? Is that is, is that really it though? Like, mm. is it really that, or is there just something that just doesn't give people confidence? The confidence to yeah, to give them the job. There's a curse of the good QB, 
right? Because for years now, we've seen kind of Patriots assistants go off and fail, you know, Matt Patricia, the latest of them. And so teams where they've got a good QB, I think their their coordinators have something against them. You know, Bruce Arians came out very publicly and was, you know, legitimately shocked and surprised that Todd Bowles didn't get a job anywhere and Byron Leftwich didn't even get an interview for any uh, NFL head coaching jobs. He was like, how does this happen? You know, Byron put together a, a top five offense with Jameis Winston at the helm and he still didn't get an interview. All right, we got Brady this year, but, you know, look at what he did with Winston. And I think teams are maybe a little bit scared now of coordinators who have had top tier QBs that mask their deficiencies. And maybe that counts against them as well, because Mahomes, you you saw all those plays that were called in the Super Bowl. It's just like, yeah, okay. if Mahomes isn't Mahomes, he's probably waking up in like pieces. Like he would have been murdered. (laughs) Would have been murdered apart from maybe Lamar Jackson. Right. I, I said the same. If you look at that uh, game, ninety percent of uh, quarterbacks would have had seven, eight sacks in that game. He managed uh, to yeah. escape so much pressure mm. uh, that most quarterbacks wouldn't have even been able to get out of. But but let's let's be honest, right? And this this is an interesting point. Let's go to how many hires in the last five years have been great hires. Matt Lafleur. Would you say he's a great hire? <laughs> okay, he's made he's made he's two championships in the regular season. I mean, yeah, I mean he's made two championship games, but he's cost them two championship yeah. games. Yeah, I'll give you that. Stefanski so far, but it's too early. Right, once one season with Stefanski gets him to the playoffs, fair play, like coach of the year. I, I can't argue that he doesn't. You know, he looks like a good hire, but you know, you'd argue Arians now with a ring home run hire. Yeah. You'd argue Carl Shanahan, good hire. Sean McVay, good hire. McDermott from the Bills, maybe. McDermott from the Bills. I mean, that that is sort of stretching the five years. Good hire. Um, you're looking at, there's a couple that potentially look like really good hires. Um, Flores of of the Dolphins looks like a good hire. Rivera? Rivera, potent, yeah, Rivera falls into their laps fine. He's, he, he potentially looks like a very good hire. I mean, realistically, you're looking at maybe a success rate of somewhere between 25 and 30%. Mm. And that is because the best, the best coordinators in this league aren't getting interviews. Wink mm. Martindale didn't get an interview. He's the best defensive coordinator in the football league for the, for the last three years. And what, because he's a bit shabby looking and he doesn't, he doesn't look like a, he doesn't look like a, a, a an Adonis. He's not getting interviews and he dresses a bit funny. Like, if, what is this, a beauty contest? Like, are we, are we, are, 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 you know, why is it that we seem to be hiring good-looking head coaches? Like, no offence to Sean McVay and Matt LaFleur and, and uh, you know, Brian Flores and, and Robert Sala. I mean, they're good-looking blokes. Like, that's, <laughs> you know, that's not, that's not knock it. But, and listen, those guys are turning out to be quite good. But at the same point, is that is that really what we're hiring? We're hiring good-looking blokes to run football teams? Like, come on. Like, you've got to be picking people who are the best at, at what they do. And Wink Martindale not getting an interview is a joke. Um, you know, Todd Bowles getting one interview is a joke. It, it, it's a joke. It's what what are you what are you trying to achieve in terms of who you're hiring? And this comes back to looking at people like the Jets, like Adam Gaze getting another job after what happened in Miami is a disgrace. It's a disgrace to football that that guy gets a job. And you're seeing this and we see it in the Premier League. You get guys who just get recycled and get jobs. 
And the NFL needs to, it needs teams to be innovative. You know, what happened? McVay gets hired and all of a sudden, all of McVay's coordinators start getting hired because he's, they're hoping you get the McVay effect mm-hmm. and magic with it. Like, it's a copycat league, but it takes people to be innovative. And actually, everyone's going for the young, rugged, good-looking coach. Someone needs to go and hire the old guys. I mean, listen, I'm so glad Todd Bowles isn't being hired because I want him to take over from Arians. I, I think you go to, to Todd Bowles now and say, Bruce, how long have you got? A year? Two years? Like, we're not going to hold you to that number, but realistically, how long do you want to go? And whatever his number is, you say to Todd, you got the job. When, you, when, when, <coughs> when Arians is done, if you don't want to leave, the job is yours. We'll have to interview people. We have to make it look like it's an open process, but realistically, we'll give you the job. Yeah. And you say to Byron Leftwich, what do you want to do? Do you want to be assistant head coach and offensive coordinator? You can do that. I mean, I'm not the biggest Byron Leftwich fan, but, you know, fine, whatever you want to do if, if he's highly valued. I just, I just think that the league evaluating talent is poor because there are too many bad hires. There were too many hires. I mean, look, look at look at the year we had two years ago. Steve Wilkes, one and done in Arizona. You had, I mean, so many guys. Uh, Vance Joseph, um, you know, there were just a lot of guys that people took chances on who, were they really that good? I mean, we're, 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 I, mean I don't even know where Wilkes is now. Um, <laughs> like there's some guys who were even out of the league. I, I just think... You know, the reason why these guys aren't getting jobs is because it, it it's not that they're not the best person for the job. It's just they're and maybe be enemies in that category. Maybe people are evaluating him because he's not a snappy dresser. He's not a good looking guy. And he he doesn't come across with that gravitas that you some teams want as a head coach. But then Dan Campbell gets a job and he's the dude. So yeah. it, I, I don't know what people want anymore. It's funny to say that because I was... Uh... Arians is someone who was overlooked for quite some time as well. It wasn't until I think he got the interim job at the Colts, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. When people started taking notice and that was only given to him because of obviously unfortunate events. So it's funny how that works. And that's an example of giving someone that opportunity. I mean, how long has Arians been uh, overlooked because people saying, oh, he's had, you know, the top quarterbacks to sort of, you know, yeah. uh, train up, etc. So yeah, you make a valid point, and also the one about the Rams. I think every coaching position in the Rams has been up for grabs this year because someone or another has taken taken them off Sean McVay. So it was very, very interesting point there. But, I mean, is, is Zach Taylor a good coach? He's won four games for the Bengals. Or is it five now? It's not a lot. <laughs> like, in two years, he's won, like, what, half a dozen games at best? Like... Yeah. <laughs> From what I understand, well, the, the players don't really take to him. I mean, speaking to a lot of Bengals uh, UK fans, apparently a lot of the players have uh, voiced their sort of concerns, um, you know, sort of off the record about the way he runs that team as well. So, yeah. There's some strange hires. You look at Zach Taylor, you look at Freddie Kitchens. There's been so many bad hires. People are just not doing due diligence. Like, I'm not being funny. Wink, Wink Martindale should have got an interview at every single team. And if nothing else, you want to learn why he's so good. Even if you're not going to hire the bloke, surely you want him in the room for two hours and, and, and absolutely drill him on why he has the number one defense in football over the last three years. Exactly. I don't know. Just a thought. That's what I would do. Like if I had a team, whether I would give him the job or not would depend on who you interviewed. 
but I'm certainly picking his brain. Todd Bowles, why are you not picking his brain? Todd, how do you get five DBs with three years' experience in the NFL or less and get them to play like an elite unit? Do you think the Jets, uh, you know, affect him when it comes to people looking back? I don't think it does. I don't think. I don't think it does. I think. I think people look at the Jets' experience now, and after seeing what's happened with Adam Gaze, yeah, I think they realise that it's just a poor organisation. Yeah, and and listen, I think Todd Bowles deserved to get fired. Mm. It's uh, listen, he deserved to get fired. Five seasons didn't win. You, I'm sorry, that is a, that is enough time to try and turn it round. And he didn't have the tools. He didn't have the vehicles. He didn't have the support. That much is very very evident now. But that doesn't mean he can't do it again with the right tools. And yeah. Matt Patricia is the perfect example of this. Matt Patricia might be one of the best defensive coordinators we'd ever seen. You look at that 2018, or what was the the Super Bowl before the Rams? Um, the Falcons. Yeah, the, so you look at the Falcons game and the way that he schemed that in the second half was was absolutely superb. I mean, he had some big, big games where he was – absolutely instrumental in the Patriots' success. I mean, this guy doesn't forget how to coach overnight. He just, in, in Detroit, it needed so much. His attention was not in the right areas. And I'd argue the same with Ted Bowles. I just think when you've got an organization that's just an absolute mess and needs top-down, to, you know, it needs top-down <laughs> restructure, a rookie head coach is not the yeah. guy to do it. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the issue. A top Bowles' next job needs to be with a stable organization. Tampa's the perfect job because he'll still rebuild, but he knows everyone in the organization. He knows what support he's going to get. He knows everyone. He knows the coaching staff. He knows the players. It makes complete sense for him to transition up. Just yeah. it, for me, it's a no-brainer. I, I, that plan has to be in place. More he's got the respect now of the organization. Of course he has. Right. He's won a ring. Like he's won a ring. Like he he he's going to get the time that he wouldn't get in any other job. Yeah. So it's funny we talk about that now, uh, Matt. So we're going to ask now, where do the books go moving forward? So obviously, good way to talk about that now after talking about bowls. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously the hope for the Bucks is, can we do it all again? You know, the, the initial talk after the Super Bowl is obviously of free agents. We've got an awful lot of them. Um, you know, the headliners, obviously Shaq, Gronk, AB... Devontae, David, the list goes on and on. And, and the question arises, well, can we bring them all back? And if so, how? And obviously, you know, this is where it's interesting. Bruce Arians made a comment, didn't he? He's just like, he thinks the camaraderie in the group is that strong that maybe dollars don't matter. And, you know, then he kind of qualified a little bit and said, oh, well, you know, we hope we get the dollars right because they deserve to have the dollars. But the group is that strong together and they're, they're that tight knit that, you know, maybe we're going to get a few hometown discounts and then you know you get Mike Evans being the type of guy that he is has turned around and kind of gone well I'm going to take less money so that someone else can go and get paid and um, you know rumor has it that Brady's going to do likewise and you know if you get enough people doing that then maybe they can bring the band back together I mean that's going to be the priority I mean we'll probably come on to this in a minute in terms of who the top free agent to resign is, but you know, for my money, it has to be Shaq. You know, as much as I love Levante David and everything he's done for the Bucks, it, it, if you look at the pure production and the difference that it makes having him on the field, it's got to be Shaq because, as Murph already said, you know, you've got JPP on one end, Shaq on the other. It's just like, okay, we're going to cause enough problems for defenses to be competitive. 
so that's you know that for me is is where you start and then from there for pure i don't know nostalgia's sake i would say levante david because i do think mm. he's still a heartbeat for the defense. um and then it's going to be really really interesting to see what they do on the offensive side and i think gronk was on a nine million dollar deal this year do you bring him back at nine million dollars mm, as much as i love gronk i'm not sure personally um but it depends, you know, what does he want to do? He said in his, his Disney interviews, like, I'm going to go away and take some time, but I can't think of why I wouldn't come back. Well, again, that's going to depend on an awful lot of money and we'll see. But I think for the Bucks, the question is, we really like what we have. You know, I was sat here the other day thinking to myself, well, you know, positions of need in the draft. So, well, if we're going to bring everyone back, do you know, I don't know. I don't know what we really, really want other than depth because that starting lineup, takes care of itself at the moment mm. i mean look at you know, the, the big question mark i have is chris godwin love the guy he's been brilliant for us mm. under a million dollars apparently this year on the last year of his rookie deal um what are we going to do there because he's probably going to want you know i would say low end wide receiver one money are we going to be able to do that for him if we also want to bring back a b and gronk i don't know possibly not so to me he's the big question mark so then you think draft you think okay the bucks have done a fantastic job in recent years of finding wide receiver talent in the draft not necessarily in round one you know you look at godwin himself you look at scotty miller you tyler johnson had his plays this year particularly in the playoffs and, and maybe they're looking at johnson and saying well maybe can he slot in there and take on a bigger role if we do have to lose chris godwin um but I would trust them. If there's one position I would trust us to draft well, it's the wide receiver position because bloody hell, we've done that well in recent years. Well, well let's not forget, you know, we drafted Adam, Adam Humphreys was an undrafted free agent. Um, yeah. That we ended up getting a comp pick back for and he got a big deal when he went to, to Tennessee. Like, yeah, I agree with you. I think wide receivers is fine. Don't forget there's a franchise tag. So we don't have to worry about paying one of these guys. Um one of these guys we can tag and and kick that decision down the line to restructure some contracts. If we if we're serious about, I guess the, the big question, and I'd ask this to all of you is, how big's the Super Bowl window? You've won one. You've got a, a 68, 69 year old head coach, a 43, 44 year old quarterback. How big's the window? One year, two years, three years? I mean, what is, what is it? Uh, you know, let me ask you because that that's going to make your determination as how far do you kick some of these decisions down the road? Well, I think it's a rolling window at the moment. <clears throat> I think you take it one year at a time, just with yeah. the ages of, you, you know, Brady and uh, Arians. Next year, looking at the schedule, I think it, 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 it's very doable. Again, mm-hmm. if we can keep the core of the team together and the big, you know, the big players together. But then you don't know after that, you don't know how Brady will play at 44. Mm-hmm. For me. We're, 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 we're... Sorry, okay, go on. Just the thing for me, being newer to this than, than all of you lot, um, is it correct that, that no team's won it back-to-back? Patriots have done it. Patriots yeah. are the last team to do it back-to-back. I think there's a few examples of teams in history. I think the Steelers have done it. It's just not been done for about 16 years, is it? Yeah. So not many people do it. Why, why does it not happen? Is it because of all the players want more money? Is it motivation? I mean, how do we cure that if, not, if it doesn't happen very often? There's a lot of good teams in the league. I mean, that's the big thing. It's hard yeah. to win back-to-back because when you get to the playoffs, four teams from either side can win it at the end of the day. You know, you've always got at least four teams from either side, either conference that can get there and win it. So <clears throat> you've got to be good at the right time, which is a hard thing to do in the NFL. The, the other thing as well is the schedule. So as Johnny sort of mentioned, most people who win the Super Bowl win their division. 
so they get the first place schedule, which automatically makes it harder. We didn't win our division. Yeah. Okay. So we get a second place schedule. So we don't get to, you know, some of those games are uh, predetermined and pre-ordered, but our schedule and then also the division that you play gets rotated. So you could end up, you know, winning your division, getting a first place schedule and then having to play the N- NFC West, which is the best division in football. And we've looked out massively next year. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can't even remember what division. Did we got the NFC East next year? Yeah. Yeah. So we got the we got the worst division in football in our schedule. So we get to play all the teams from the worst division in football. Plus, we don't have to play any of the other first place teams from the other divisions. Mm-hmm. I do think the East will be better next year, though. I think there'll be teams that, yeah, the East will be better. I mean, it can't be worse. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. You know, the winning team was seven and nine. You can't, you can't be worse oh, yeah. than that. You know, the Cowboys will be better. The Eagles will be better. The Giants will be better. I think all four teams will be better. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't think it, it's as gimme a year as it was this year. But at the same okay. token, I think it's hard. I don't look at I don't look at any team there and think they're they're going to wipe us out. They'll give us games, but I don't look at any <laughs> of those teams right now and make them favourites. And I think that's when you look at the schedule. That's how you got to kind of work it out. Yeah. So I, that's Craig. That's really the kind of the answer to your question is. And also sometimes the cap, the salary cap constriction, you can't keep your players, yeah. so you have to let a key piece go. And that key piece could be the difference between you winning and losing. So that that's yeah. kind of why teams find it difficult but then having a look at that you know Casey kept the band together yeah I mean who did they lose in in free agency no one really of merit you know they had a couple of players hold out um that had a slight impact not a massive one um, just look at how many key players we still have on rookie contracts as well so that helps us massively going forward we have the, the entire secondary is on rookie contracts <clears throat> yeah there's no one in, there's no one in the secondary that's on a on an advanced deal I mean, <laughs> that's an entire room <laughs> no. <laughs> where you don't you don't have a... Mayer and White still on rookie deals. Mayer and White. I mean, White's deal is pricey because of how high we pick him. But yeah, it's it's still it's still not bad. Um, still better than his market value. Absolutely, and I think that a lot of that helps. And you know, if if I'm looking at right now the tag, the tag has to go to Godwin because he's probably the one that will command the most money. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I don't think it's fair to, sh- to tag Shaq Barrett again. He's, ha- he's had his year on the tag. It's worked out. Now you, now you give him a deal because he's earned it. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying Godwin hasn't deserved a contract, but as you're saying, if, if we're going on this rolling window of one year, Godwin's young enough. He's still not in his prime. You know, you're talking about wide receiver prime is 27, 28 years old. He's not there yet. So why not say to Godwin, look, we're going to put you on the tag this year. And then we're going to give you the, the superstar contract next year. Yeah. Because you can do that then, because then you, we might be sacrificing some pieces or whatever needs to be done. But realistically, there's not many deals out here that I think will be very difficult to do. Gronk might arguably be the most difficult because he might not want to come back. I mean, he's sort of alluding to that he wants to, but you're right. 9 million a year for me, he's an extra offensive lineman. I'd pay it because I don't still don't have that confidence that, without him on the offensive line, we're good enough. Yeah, but, he's a winner as well, isn't he? <clears> and he's a winner. The winners. But yeah, I, I think it's very realistic that all the major guys come back. I think the decisions on the roster come down to, I don't know, A, B, how much money does he want? And then you, how much money does he want? And how much no, money does Fournette want? One, yeah. they're, they're the two, because have they really earned the big, big money yet? I don't think they have. And if they want to go and have 
seven million, eight million, ten million dollar contracts, are they going to give us that much value? I'd argue probably, especially for now, I wouldn't argue he does. Well, AB as well. AB was basically our wide receiver three this year, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, he's come in, he's not made the big yards, he's had one big game. I mean, he's been there where we've needed him. He scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Yeah. But <clears throat> we've still got the guys in the team who can do the job he's been doing. Many people are going to pay him with his history as well. I mean, he's a bit risky. <clears throat> yeah, that's the um, other thing. Would, would he get a big deal somewhere else? So then it comes down to what we offer him. The, the other year, somebody else top it. with Brady, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then let's let's not forget that he he's thirty three next year, Antonio yeah. Brown. He's not he's not a, a spring chicken. You know, he is someone who is you know he's had a great career, um, but he comes with a lot of risk. You know, we signed into one one year one point six million dollar contract, which was heavily incentivized, which he earned, and fair play to him. He deserved every respect of of his bonuses. <laughs> Yeah. And if he if he wants three four million, that's doable. Mm-hmm. He'd pay it for the insurance. I think that's doable. Mm-hmm. If he wants ten million, he's not going to get it. it no. It's it's for AB. What does he want? Because he can't, he's just he's proven to himself he can't just go onto any team on big money and be happy. Yeah, he's I proven think. it. He went to the Raiders. He wanted to go to the Raiders. He was happy when he went to the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Never played a game for the Raiders. Pats. <laughs> I mean, Pats was different. I think he'd have stayed at the Pats if he wasn't in trouble. <laughs> They yeah. had to cut. <laughs> so Brady is a big factor as well with Brown. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Brady can talk him into taking a smaller contract. I think he'd go for it as well. I think so. Yeah, I mean, what what number would you feel comfortable signing AB at? Three or four, personally. Yeah. Well, I think the figure yeah. you gave was spot on. To be honest, um, I think we've got more leverage than um, AB negotiating the contract. Um, but because, like you say, we've got Scotty Miller as well uh, as a ready-made sort of replacement. I mean, look at the depth we've got at that position. I don't see mm. there being any sort of problem with, you, you know, negotiating that contract. But we'll have to see. Um, should we move on to the awards, guys? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so what we did, guys, is we got a number of uh, Bucks fans from the WhatsApp group um, did some awards. And we all voted. Um, so this should be a very interesting one. So um, we'll go ahead and discuss the Bucks player of the season. Now, who did you guys vote for for player of the season? Well, I went, I went with the obvious one. I went Brady. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of looked at that as your, your most valuable player, your MVP. <laughs> you know, to me... Because it, it was interesting because I didn't vote for him as our offensive player of the year, right? Because the MVP, I went, yeah, I went, I went Brady because he brings the most value. He's the most, <coughs> he is the difference, the X factor, whatever you want to call it. To me, that one was probably the one I spent the least time thinking about it because I, I just don't think this happens without Brady. As great as our defense is, as great as all the other pieces are, if we still have Jamie's there, God bless him, I don't think we get there. And so yeah. for me, it was Brady. Same. Anyone yeah, I went Devin White because I think the amount of tackles, the amount of sacks, just how he was. The way Devin White stands out to me is look at the game against Washington in our defence. Then look at the game against the Saints. And we were two different teams with him on the field when he wasn't on the field. He just does so much work because of his speed as well. And to me, he is the guy <clears throat> that makes that defence tick. And you got to say, 
we did our job. The offense did its job. It put 30 points a game, 31 points a game in the playoffs. The defense is where we won this uh, Super Bowl this year. Yeah. Well, let's get the votes in then, guys. So it was quite a close one. Quite a close one. The winner for Bucks Player of the Season goes to Tom Brady with six votes. And Devin White was second with five votes. Oh, uh, For we also got one vote each for the for Ryan Jensen, uh, Mike Evans, and Tristan Wirfs as well. So, um, you know, but congrats to Tom Brady. I'm sure he'll be very excited about this award. <laughs> <laughs> just, it's the one he wanted let's be yeah. honest <laughs> one he wanted. Um, we're going to move on to the Bucks offensive player of the year um, so Johnny we'll start with you who did you vote for I went Brid I mean um, it was a year where it was shared around the work world was shared around by so many people uh, I mean you've obviously you can make an argument for the offensive line as well players in the offensive line but the second half of that season, Brady, four interceptions, was it, after the bye? Yeah. And three, three of them, was it three or two came in one game as well? So it was, <clears throat> to me, he just, he got focused. His percentage went down, but that's because he was protecting the ball. He made sure that only the receiver could actually catch it, and he's guided us along. Yeah. I went, I went with Mike Evans. <clears throat> and the reason I went with Mike Evans... It's because I think Mike Evans was the first player in this team to epitomise what made us unique this year. You know, people forget all the way back, week three, week four, week five, when we had no receivers. Mike Evans was hurt. He was badly hurt. Like, he was playing on one leg hurt. And he was like, doesn't matter. We don't have Godwin. I know that if I don't play, I know that me at 50% is better than not having either us or Godwin. You know, no AB then... You know, we did not have the help that we needed in those games. And, and Mike Evans won us games early when he wasn't fit. Well, look and at I, the game where he, uh, two receptions, two yards, two touchdowns. Two touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, he couldn't even run, but we just used him run. when we had to. He was there to take... Um, what he was, was decoys. Yeah, that's it. That's all he, he was. He was, was run as a decoy, and then he was there in the big in the red zone yeah. when Brady hadn't quite on, got on the page with the receivers. And I think that set the tone for the season. That went mm-hmm. well... And I, I know Arians used it. When someone was complaining of a little nigger, I was like, Mike ran on one leg. Sort it out. <laughs> get yeah. get yourself on the field. Like, unless you're really hurt, if you're really hurt, you're really hurt. But like, yeah. if you can play, you play. And that set the mindset for the whole team. That we that was that was like we're built tough. We're we're a tough team. We're not we're not we're not the wilting flowers that we were a couple of years ago, yeah. where we would cry over crap decisions and we would um kick up a stink and kick up a fuss. If you notice that we didn't moan about officiating calls, we didn't moan about all these things, Arians wasn't coming out throwing his toys out of the pram every week like he was last season, you know. And 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 Evans, I think, set the trend for that. So I think without Evans early doors setting that trend, we aren't where we are. That's why yeah. I went Evans, and he still had a great year, thousand yards. Yeah, um, exactly. But I think he he was the the the, the post that everyone used and said, "That's the guy. We got to be like him." Yeah. Win <laughs> for this one, and it is Mike Evans who is the winner of Offensive Player of the Year. With seven votes, Tom Brady had four, Tristan Worth with one, and we've got Gronk on the board with a point as well. So, uh, yeah, congratulations to Mike Evans. Uh, fully Good. deserved, I think, like you said, yeah, thousand-yard season. It needed to be someone who epitomises the box has been there from the beginning mm. as well. And I think, yeah, fantastic, um, you know, um, with Mike there. 
We're going to move on to the defensive side of the ball now. Um, so, Craig, <laughs> who did you vote for? Uh, I voted for Devin Wyatt. Um, I don't know. There, there's obviously from the Super Bowl, um, there were so many players that could have got it. But throughout the season, just the energy that he brought, his pace, um, just the type of player that he was, I think just he dragged other players along, worked well with Levante David. Um, it was a simple one for me, I think, in that respect. Yeah, 100%. And we all agreed. <laughs> yeah. Apart from one person, um, is anyone here voted for Sue? That was Dan. Dan voted for um, Sue. So, yeah, we've had Devin White with 13 votes and Sue with the one vote. So, yeah, Devin White, you are without a doubt the box defensive player of the year. Congratulations to you, my friend. <laughs> uh, the next one is the Bucks game of the season. This one we had uh, quite a mixed bag, really, of um, you know games. So we're going to start off with you, Murph. Who did you vote for? Which game? Uh, it's, I, I caveated this because I wasn't sure if we were going to call the Super Bowl because otherwise it's just a, a landslide, right? Who's not going to put the Super Bowl? Yeah, I'll put Super Bowl, yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, so I didn't, I put it in brackets that like, oh, well, if we're counting the Super Bowl, then obviously the Super Bowl. Um, but my actual original vote was the the Packers um, 38 to 10 at home. Not the divisional yeah. game, the, the regular season game. Because I think that was the moment when <coughs> I thought, oh, we're a good team. You know, we come off that ridiculous defeat to Chicago and at that point, I wasn't sure what we were. I wasn't sure what we were. I wasn't sure if we were a good team, if we're a team in progress. I, I kind of just didn't really know what we were made of. And I looked at that game and the way that we we dismantled. I mean, you got to remember Aaron Rodgers is one MVP this year. Yeah. Yep. And he looked ordinary. <laughs> how many times we get sacked in the regular season? How many times we get him? We got to swim. We were responsible for, I think, over 30% of his sacks in the two games yeah. we played, and we were responsible for half of his interceptions in the season. Wow. Um, says a lot. Mm. Um, and I think I think that was, to me, we had their number not once but twice, but that game was the blueprint. <clears throat> I don't think we win that divisional title game without that victory. And that gave the players the confidence to storm into Green Bay. Like, well, we've just blown these guys out already this season. We'll do it again. Mm. So I think for me that was, but of course, the Super Bowl because how can you not? It was the best we played all season. But yeah, yeah. without if I was taking that out, the the, the Packers at home. Yeah. yeah, I went with the same as Murph for, for pretty much the same reason. It was the first time this season that you looked at the Bucks as a legitimate contender because before that the Packers were undefeated. Rogers was rolling like you know Lafleur admitted after the game that they didn't practice well that week because they got too full of themselves. They were you know, and then we just beat them up. Every which way, you know, Devontae Adams did very little, you know, all the interceptions that you want to let Jamal Dean pick six, all of it. And then the, the offense just kind of went, yeah, okay, we got it. And off we went. And it was it was the first time that we looked like legitimate contenders this season. Yeah. 100%. I mean, for what it's worth, I vote for the Saints uh, divisional uh, playoff matchup just because it was just getting the, that revenge, you know, against the Saints. Yeah. I think, to be honest, it, fantastic we've won the Super Bowl, but I think. After that game, I was content with whatever happened with the books. If we lost to the Packers, I think I would have been content, you know, with the season. I would have been like, yeah, mm. that's fine. We've got revenge yep. points. And just the embarrassment and, you know, all the story about Jameis Winston and, 
eating a W, you know, you saw the reaction that we had. I think we must have posted more on Twitter <coughs> the Saints game than even probably the Super Bowl game. It was just one of those games which I really, really enjoyed. Um, but yeah. the winner is actually the Super Bowl matchup with seven. Oh, cool. <clears throat> um, the Saints divisional matchup had four and the Green Bay Packers at home was three. So quite a nice uh, mixture yeah. of um, opinions there. So, yeah, but we're going to Go on to another one, which I don't think is going to have the same um, mixture of results, but this is the Bucks Coach of the Year. So, um, Johnny, we'll start with you. Who did you vote for? I think it was Tom Bowles. Yeah. I, just, I don't think you can uh, give it to anybody else but him. I mean, even the games where we've had shaky first halves, his adjustments at halftime is just seen as go through. And I think the Packers game was the only game we've actually lost the second half this season. Um, the divisional game. Uh, apart from that, we just seem to be a different team in the second half defensively, and that's what's helped us get to where we've got to. Yeah, we all vote Todd Bowles, or yeah, yeah, I vote Todd. Yeah, it's quite easy. We've got twelve votes for Todd Bowles, uh, one for Bruce Arians, um, and you know, quite yeah, quite obvious Todd Bowles was going to get this one, wasn't he? So congratulations to him. Um, now, this is an interesting one. Um, mixed views with this one, but Bucks Rookie of the Season. So, Matt, who did you vote for <coughs> Rookie of the Season? Pretty sure I went Tristan Wirfs. I mean, to me, he was... I was amazed that he wasn't an all-pro. You know, all right, maybe, that you know, if you want to tell me that one or two better in the in the league then, but as a rookie... And again, people talk about the lack of the preseason and things like that and how hard it is to come into the NFL as a tackle. He was lights out. All right, he got done once by Khalil Mack and that was it. He just, you know, you want to talk about upgrades and upgrading your team in the draft. I, you know, I have all the time in the world for DeMar Dotson. He was a wonderful servant for the Bucks over many years. But if you look at, aside from the quarterback position, you look at one position in the offseason that we upgraded, my word, it was right tackle. Like, that kid was everywhere. He's a monster. He lets nobody through. He's great in the run game. He's great in pass protection. I mean, there was a, a wonderful clip that got shared on, on Twitter against the Falcons at their place. I think he, like, he, you know, great Jared gets a real good bend in on him and he hooks him out of his bend and flattens him, then turns around, sees someone else running through, just flattens them as well. And you're just like, yeah, just give him everything. Give him all the awards. Like, he was, I just thought he was brilliant this season. Yeah. Um, anyone go for Antoine Winfield? Yeah. I did. Yeah, I, I, I went with Winfield Junior. I just felt I look at the two positions that we've struggled with in recent years. One is left tackle, and the second is is safety. And I think we've been crying out for a safety for years. And I, the last three free agency periods, I was absolutely gutted we didn't sign a safety because just didn't felt we had a a real winner in the yeah. in that backfield, a real leader in that room we had a lot of young guys and you saw i just wish we'd sign a vet for a one-year two-year deal just to come in and coach these guys up and, and be a leader and lo and behold you get one in the draft in the second round and he is an absolute talent i love his ability i love what he brings i listen i completely understand tristan worth's one sack allowed um you won't get any complaints from from me but i i went with winfield because i just felt he upgraded us in the position that we were perhaps <coughs> coming into the season, the absolute weakest yeah. um, coming into the season. You know, we were graded last, the worst secondary in the league. Mm -hmm. And he was a massive part of why 
we were a top half secondary. So that, that's why I went there. But I listen, I can't. Worfs, for me, Worfs was the best tackle in this draft. The fact he fell to 13 was a crime. Um, thank you to the other 12 teams that didn't draft him. Um, <laughs> rate, rate you hard for it. Like how Andrew Thomas went four and Worfs has gone 13. Yeah. They no must idea. see that video of him jumping out the swimming pool. That's what's done it for me. I thought <laughs> he could do that. <laughs> he must be a monster. Yeah. 100%. And you look at all the questions being asked still of our secondary at the beginning of the season as well. Um, you know, we've just evolved, haven't we? And Winfield's been a massive part of that. Um, but the winner of the um, Bucks Rookie of the Year is actually Tristan Wirfs with nine votes and Winfield got uh, five. So, yeah, congratulations oh. to Tristan Wirfs. Yeah. Well-deserved as well. Like you said, he could have gone either way with that. It's just a matter of two positions, dire need and, you know, which one, you know, we'd prefer. So the next vote um, we've got is for the books. Oh, wow, that's a Ronde Barber moment of the season. So for those of you who may not sort of understand this, so obviously the Ronde Barber play against the Eagles in the NFC Championship game when the books uh, won their first Super Bowl was like the oh, wow moment for the books when you talk about it in the history of, you know, the books franchise. So what we wanted to do is create a single moment in this season in which we felt was you know, the sort of oh wow moment for us. So uh, quite a number of mixed um, votes for this one. But um, Craig, we'll start off with you. Um, I can't remember what I went for. I think I might have gone for the Scotty Miller touchdown against the Packers okay. just because it was so unexpected for me. I can't remember what down we was on, but there's a few seconds left. I thought we were just going to throw it off, <coughs> take it to half time or even just get into field goal range. I don't even know if we had enough time for it. But then when Brady threw it, 1v1 Scotty Miller and he caught that touchdown, I think that took us around 20-odd points ahead going into the half in a game that I didn't expect us to win. Again, a game that I would have been content if we would have lost it. So that for me was the, the sort of standout moment that I sort of really shocked me. Yeah, fantastic. Anyone go for anything different? Quite yeah, a bit. <clears throat> I went for Devin White's interception against uh, the Saints. Uh, I mean, that was, at that point, that's when you knew that we had him. Um, and it reminded me a lot of the Ronde Barber back in the day as well. But yeah, that, that interception was the beginning of the end uh, for the Saints in that game. Yeah. And that's when I think we all took a massive sigh of relief. <laughs> 100% now. It was quite close, but yeah, the Devin White interception... Has one with four votes. Five, um, I think it was. Sorry, I miscounted. Oh, it's okay. Um, but yeah, he's he's definitely one there with uh, enough votes. There, we've got Scotty Miller touchdown with three votes. Uh, Jamal Dean's pick six against Sam Rogers, Ooh, two. That's votes. what I went with. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. And uh, this is a funny one. We've got the two fingers to Tyreek with one vote. <laughs> um, <clears throat> The Rojo um, 98-yard uh, touchdown uh, against the Panthers with one vote. And we've got two votes for the Sean Murphy bunting inception. Which one? <coughs> which one doesn't specify. So It was the one against the Packers in both cases. Oh, yeah. I've just seen the notes here. So the ones against the Packers. So, yeah, quite a varied amount of votes there. But, yeah, I think the Devin White one, oh, yeah. the fact that it was against the Saints. And like you said, Johnny, the... The sigh of relief at that mm -hmm. point, you know, was, you know, still sighing now, to be honest. <laughs> um, the next one we've got is for, we'll 
quick fire on these ones now, just because of obviously the time and everything. But the most improved player of the year. So, Murph, who did you go for? Uh, <laughs> I went with one that nobody else went for. <laughs> I went with I went with Alex Kappa. Okay. Um, I think I think Alex Kappa doesn't get any love, and I think Alex Kappa. You got to remember this guy is a D three school lineman that he couldn't start last year because he was bad. I mean, he was bad, really bad. Like people forget that, that every time Kappa came to the game, we all look at it and go like. Oh no, he just wasn't ready. He was so raw. Has absolute like the upside is the moon, but Ooh. he just he just is taken so long <clears throat> to get going, and he had some injuries. And you know, I think the thing that people don't realize is Alex Kappa was surprisingly leading the NFC Pro Bowl voting until the last week of voting and didn't get in. But he was he he had a phenomenal year for me. Yeah. He had a, he had a a pro bowl season in a, a line that completely changed. Yeah. And I thought Kappa, when he went down, we got, we got a little bit worse um, and we had to make some adjustments and okay. We won the prize without him, but I think he, he set the tone early and I understand why probably no one else picked him, but uh, I have a, a soft spot for a D3 <coughs> guy who yeah. um, has, has just really come <coughs> a long way and shown a lot so for me given the fact that he couldn't even play last year and to look at where he is now uh, I went with Kappa but I know I was the only one that did so we had a couple with just you know the one vote so we've got um, the winner of it actually I'll I'll work back to front so SMB um, and Devin White all had a vote each alongside Alex Kappa with four votes we had Rojo and the winner is Donovan Smith. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's where, I, that's where I went. I went Donovan Smith, I think. And I think, like, most improved through the season as yeah. well. I think that's the thing. Like, start of the season, he, he he struggled. You know, he struggled. I, I remember being, when we were at the opening game away at New Orleans, you know, Tristan Wirth was holding down his side and, you know, B.A. chewed Smith out after the game and kind of said, you know, he got done. He wasn't even going up against Cam Jordan and he still got done. Like... Yeah. You know, he needs to sort himself out. But actually, by the end of the season, you know, he they left him on an island against Chase Young. No dramas there. You know, held up his end pretty well against the Packers. You know, Chiefs didn't really bother him. You know, we gave up like one sack and that was <coughs> than on Donovan. And I just think through the course of the season, he just something just clicked, whether it was because he had Brady behind him and he suddenly realized, hang on a minute, I need to wake up. Like, I, I don't know what it was, but fair play to the bloke. I thought he was he was very, very good as the season got better. Uh, yeah. season went on. I was yeah, the same, and the reason being, the best thing that you can say about a left tackle is if he doesn't get mentioned. Yeah. Now, think of how many times we talked about him the first half of the season compared to the second half of the season. Penalty. You know, yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah. It just if you if you're not talking about those guys, they're doing a good job. Yeah. Congratulations to Donovan Smith. Uh, well deserved, in my opinion, as well. Um, the most improved player of the season. Now, the next one we've got is the best touchdown of the season so um matt will go with you i think on this one yeah i, mean, I went for uh, scotty miller's and craig as i mentioned that scotty miller touchdown against the the packers i mean i just there's so many things about that touchdown i love about the drive that i love you know the the whole idea of oh we're gonna punt now nah, actually we're gonna go for it on fourth down on the halfway line away from home in the nfc championship game we're just gonna go for it we don't care <coughs> and maybe you'll do a hell mary if we fail we're going for it 
you know, you pick that up and you go, okay, you know, short little out route, pick up enough yards for a field goal. Nope, we're going to throw it deep, go over your head and score a touchdown. Like the sheer nerve, the balls of steel from the coaching staff to kind of go, no, we have absolute faith in who we've got on our field, who is at quarterback position. We've got absolute faith that Scotty Miller can blitz this guy and get round him. Like, you want a statement of intent. And it was just such a contrast between Arians going, you know, Arians and Leftwich dialing up that play and saying, we're going to go for it. We're going to launch a 40-odd yard touchdown play to close out the second half versus Lafleur's call at the end of the game with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. Oh, yeah. field goal. It's like, you know, that's the reason we went and they didn't because our coaching staff and our players have absolute balls of steel. And in the biggest moment of the season, Matt Lafleur chickened out of it. And you go, oh, well, analytics, analytics. Nah, don't give me analytics. Give me the best quarterback in the game, please. And I'll, I'll have him get us to the game. You know, for me, it was, that was the moment then. I was just like, you know, obviously, you're always a little, a little bit worried afterwards. But you're like, my God, we're going. We're absolutely going. Once that touchdown got caught, I was sold. I was like, we're going. This is us. This is our year. 100%. Um, and in terms of the voting, yeah, we've gone. Majority have gone for the Scotty Miller touchdown with eight votes. Brojo, who I personally voted for, just I love, I love a, I love a good run, uh, and even that game, I think he, yeah, did he fumble in that game earlier or? Yeah, he did. Yeah, just given the fact that he had that fumble as well, I thought it was a great way to come back and you know just shut shut up the Panthers. But, really good. but also just on that run, first of all, franchise record. Yeah. Um. Yeah, longest run ever in the history of Buccaneers football. Third longest run ever in NFL history. Um. Also, you know, with the exception of Doug Martin doing it in 2015, I think it was against the Eagles. I can't quite, I think it was the Eagles. I think he ran for like 82, 84 yards, something like that. Yeah. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. That, we just don't get big runs like that. No. <laughs> I can't remember the last time we get like home run TDs like that, which is why I wrote for it. But yeah, I just want to throw that in a little nugget. Yeah, who knows? Next season we might be celebrating a special teams uh, touchdown, you know. <laughs> doubt, doubt it. Rare is the eclipse. You <laughs> never know. But um, we did get a vote as well for the Mike Evans touchdown against the Rams. I think someone mentioned that in the WhatsApp group as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, just to let you guys know, we have received a message from our good friend Derek just to remind everyone that we are world champions. So just thought I'd let you guys <laughs> have a message as well. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just want to wish Derek the best as well. I know he's been through a bit of a difficult time. Time, but um, and you'll be listening to this at some point as well. We're going to move on to the next category, which is the unsung hero. Uh, so again, a mixed bag with this one, um, Johnny. I think I think it's your turn now, isn't it? Yeah, we'll go with you, Johnny. I just can't remember. I, I can't remember who I picked. <laughs> oh, Craig, do you remember? I can't even remember who I picked either. We might as well just go straight to the votes and we'll see what happens. <laughs> I know I know who you voted for, Michael Craig. Jensen, but I'm not sure. No, Craig, you voted for a suck up. Oh, I did, yeah, I did actually. I just thought that we struggled so much with kickers over the years. And again, when you say if you're not speaking about them, then they must be doing good. Um, I just wasn't worried about him. I think he had a long kick even in the Super Bowl early doors, maybe like 49 yards or something like that. I can't even remember. But over the, the six years I've been watching. I just remember game after game, we've come down late into the game. We've had kickers miss. I can't remember if it's Matt Gay. I remember one of them. But just this season, he was just so consistent. Um, that's why I think I picked him. Yeah, I, I've just remembered it's uh, JPP I went for. Yeah. 
And I know he's, he's a big player. People know who he is. People do talk about him, But I don't think he gets enough recognition for what he actually does in a game. Yeah. The, you know, the amount of uh, pressure he takes off the rest of the D-linemen. Uh, I think he's had something like 32 sacks in 38 games or something like that. It's, uh, it's, it's crazy what he's had. It's, it's up there anyway. It's, it's not far behind sacks per, you know, to games in yeah, the ratio. Yeah. And he's, he's just the ultimate professional, the ultimate uh, performer week in, week out. Yeah, we had quite a mixed bag with this one. So I'll go back to front. Um, so we've got Ali Marpet with one vote, JPP with a vote, Vita Vea with one vote, Mike Edwards with a vote, Levante David with two, Ryan Jensen with two, Cameron Brait with three, who we've not even mentioned at all, and Ryan Suckup with four votes. Oh, he won, did he? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Hero Award. So congratulations, Ryan, and thank you for being able to kick the ball between. Because <laughs> we've been yeah. it for a while. Um, now, this one should be an obvious one, so I'll run by it quickly. Uh, but signing of the season, who did everyone go for? Brady. 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 Yep. So, did anyone vote differently? Uh, there were a couple. Yeah, a couple. We've got playoff Lenny with two. Yep. Which I was convinced that was you, Murphy, vote. But then I realised you've just put playoff Lenny in there um, afterwards. So, yeah. Lenny got two and Grant got one. But, yeah, Tom Brady... Signing of the season, without a doubt. Last two now to run by. So, who deserves more media attention? Um, so, Craig, who did you vote for? Um, I have no idea. <laughs> um, you voted for Levante David and Devon White. Oh, did I? I was, yeah, I think. Did I? I can't even remember. Go somewhere else. I can't even remember. Oh no, sorry, one. you didn't. No, no, no. Sorry, you didn't. You went for top balls. Did I go top top balls? Yeah, yeah. makes sense. I mean, yeah, just in terms of the head job. Um, sort of roles in other places. It's just amazing when he so it's a simple one. Yeah, fair enough. Well, we'll go back to front again. So Todd Bowles did get the single vote from yourself. Uh, Winfield had the one vote. Scotty Miller with a vote. JPP and Byron Leftwich with a vote as well. So it was down to two guys. Ali Marpet with four votes. And the winner is Levante David with five votes. Oh, can't argue with that. Yeah, I love yeah, 100%. Uh, this one, I think we're all going to enjoy this one. So the worst take. Um, so this is basically any media person or anyone random's opinion, um, which pretty much went pear-shaped. So that's some interesting ones on this one, but there is a there is a, a winner for this one. So I won't go through who everyone went for, but the winner is uh, the Steve Smith one uh, with four votes. So, yeah. Um, Murph, do you want to remind us what Steve Smith said? Yeah, I, I mean, like, Steve Smith is just, uh, he's a bit of a cartoon uh, caricature. Um, because, I mean, for the guy who, I mean, I'm trying to find the exact quote here, so I've got it here. Um, I'm just going to make a statement. When the playoffs come, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to get ran. Um they're going to get routed. I know I shouldn't say this, but it's going to be a good old fashioned a whooping, <laughs> um, which, you know, Steve Smith, you're entitled to your opinion. Um, but I would like to remind everybody of Steve Smith's 
playoff record because I can't seem to remember him winning many playoff games. Um, so I'm just pulling them up because I think it's important. Um, so Steve Smith in the playoffs. Let it never be said we're not petty. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, you know, played played 11 games in the playoffs. Um, you know, lost a Super Bowl. Fine, you know, you made one. Congratulations in your in your history. Um, but yeah, his playoff record is six and five. Mm. Nothing really to shout on about. So, you know, and no rings. So, you know, chin up, Steve. <laughs> with the Panthers then the first yeah the first is I think it was his rookie season with the, yeah it, or I don't know if it was his rookie year but yeah it was with the Panthers uh, no so it would be his third year third year in the league um, went with the Panthers 2003 and that was the only time he went to the the big game excellent and the last one now that we're going to go through is the actually have I said yeah I have said the winner haven't I yeah of course <laughs> um, so the last one we're going to go for is the number one player to re-sign. Um, I know we've talked about this, but um, we'll go through the um, the votes from back to front. So we've got Ryan Suckup with uh, one vote, Chris Godwin with a vote, Gronk with two, Levante David with three, and anyone want to guess the winner with seven votes? Shaq. Yeah. Shaq Barrett, congratulations. We want you back. Um, I think we, I think we want all those guys back. But funny enough, I do. I have been, I have messaged um, in the past uh, Shaq Barrett on Instagram, so I might just send him, uh, might just send him this actually, just to send him a bit of a reminder that the Bucks fans absolutely adore him and want him to stay. But I think it goes without saying, doesn't it? We want as many players as we can back after this historic season, but. Yeah, I, I think I think what's key with this award, and you look at it in the voting, it's not the fact that we don't think Chris Godwin is a is a great talent. And I think Matt, you said this here, we would trust ourselves to to replace Godwin if we needed to, and um, we would trust ourselves to find an, another Gronk or another suck up potentially. Although we've struggled with that for ten years, so maybe not. But you, I don't think we can replace Shaq Barrett. No, not not tomorrow. You Ooh. probably can replace him three years from now. When was the last time we drafted a good defensive end? That's a great question. <laughs> That's a great question. Really hard. I was trying to work this out last night. When was the last time we drafted a good defensive end? Genuinely have to come back to you because I genuinely don't know. That's a great question. Claiborne's probably the best, but he didn't exactly... He's the of the books. <laughs> mm. Did we draft him in Rice? Yeah, I think we did. Because I think that would be my answer. Yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Um, and that was a long time ago. Yeah, <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> I, wow. Yeah, I genuinely... That's a real struggle. Is Mike, was Michael Bennett a draft pick? I don't know, to be honest. He was good with us, but he went great with other people. No, I mean, he... we drafted Anthony Nelson. He's not terrible, but... Not a game-changing defensive end, though, is he? No, I'm just going back as far as I can. Will Goulston. Okay, yeah, Goulston, yeah. 2013 draft. By the way, I I constantly make jokes about Will Goulston um, being, like, the oldest man in the NFL, that he 
you know, has basically been playing the game as long as there's been Super Bowls and he's like 105. Do you know what really shocks me about Will Goulston? He's 29. <laughs> I learned that I got corrected on my own podcast that he's 29 and I was like... Yeah, I was listening to that. <laughs> what? He's 29? <laughs> Genuinely thought he was like 40. <laughs> Fair play to him. That's him. What a way to finish this by talking about William Goulston, someone who we've not mentioned as well. And I think if we could go for each and every one of these players, you know, we would. But, you know, sadly, there's very little time we do have. But just a huge thank you to you guys as well for making this season, you know, so special with that WhatsApp group. You know, you guys certainly, and I think I speak for all of us, that it's just been a magical ride. And, you know, it's something that we're never going to forget, even when we're sort of 20 years from now, uh, whatever the situation is in the world, we're going to remember this season for years to come. Um, you know, even if we go on to win multiple Super Bowls like the Patriots which we all hope but you know we just got to enjoy this one you know as much as we can because you just don't know like Murph said previously you just don't know when your time's going to come we'll never have one in the pandemic like this will we where we've got like you, your wife and your son upstairs and you can't scream mm. and shout you just have to resort to <laughs> going on the WhatsApp group and messaging on there instead so yeah I think this one would be like any other one even if we do win more um, we'll always remember this one yeah, yeah absolutely. exactly yeah. and you know thank you to all the other guys in the whatsapp group as well i know they you know would, would have loved to have been on this but hopefully we can do this again sometime maybe like you know an anniversary edition or something it'd be fantastic wouldn't it you know but looking forward to next season and you know thank you again guys it's been a pleasure cheers cheers see you later see you guys